Yeah. I'm Bill. And I'm T-Dog. And this is Two, two films, films, Too curious. curious. Or the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. That's right. This week we watched, well, this month, sometime, in recently we watched uh, Mad Max Fury Road and Blade Runner 2049. And we talked about the uh, sequels that happened well after the original movie. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but um, before we talk more about that, uh, special thank you to all of our uh, patrons on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris and Nick, co-tagonists Chris and Nick, who were our first patrons on Patreon, as well as Two Films, Three Curious alum, Brenda, who sponsors What Do You what Do, do, you do MCU, which uh, is, you know, it's part of our, our special features that you get at the beginning of each month. Uh, where we talk about the MCU movies mm-hmm. and and uh, how they fit in with all of that. Which means in a week or two, uh, you'll have another What Do You Do MCU about uh, Captain America. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, is there another also? Is there another thing that we need to talk about? Oh, that we have a Patreon. You can go find us there. And on our Facebook page and all of that. We have and, an email. Uh, we have it all. Be sure to smash that subscribe button. <laughs> and all of that. Uh, what are you? Are you drinking anything today? I'm just drinking a squirt. Oh, I'm drinking tonic water and some sort of weird neon yellow mio in it that makes it look like gold urine. Oh, so and when up. it comes out, it'll look like gold urine again. Probably. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, do you do we have anything to talk about about sequels? I feel like oftentimes mm. a sequel well after the original does not end well. Usually not, yeah. And in this case, both of these are excellent. Speaking <clears throat> of excellent, another sequel that did really well that came out well after the originals is Bill and Ted Face the Music, which I've oh. watched twice already in the last <laughs> couple of days. So... I thought the movie was really great, and it is about the same amount of time between the first one and now. It was, yeah, first one came out in '89, the second one came out now, so that's 31 years. Mm-hmm. What are the gaps between Blade Runner and Mad Max? Do you remember? So I have that as a similarity that <clears throat> now I forget which is which. One of them is 36 years, and one of them is 35 years. Okay, so they're all longer, they're they're like still. six months away from being the exact amount of time. <laughs> From the first to this one. All right. Before we get into that, though, why don't you tell us the plot of Blade Runner 2049? So <clears throat> in Blade Runner 2049, which takes place in, you guessed it, the year 2049. Oh, I was going to um, say Los Angeles. <laughs> well, it does. It also is in Los Angeles, just like Blade Runner, whereas Blade Runner takes place in 2019. Um, Blade at this Runner point, takes place, you guessed it, Los Angeles. <laughs> at this point... Um, Replicants are still around. At one point, they were all outlawed and banned, but then they kind of restarted making them. A new company that is not Tyrell, um, that is, I forget what they're called. We'll get to them. In oh, Wallace. Wallace. Oh, yeah. yeah, the Wallace Corporation. Um, but it starts off as you have Kay, who is a Blade Runner. He's actually a replicant, which you they let you know very early on. It's not a secret or anything. Um, he starts off, he fights... Uh, Drax, actually, from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's less gray, considerably less gray in this one, and he doesn't have very visible. Yes, uh, yeah, he's super easy to see him. He doesn't surprise yeah. K at any point. No, um, 
but he goes, he retires him because he's a replicant that ran away from a moon or planet somewhere else after a war. Um, but he leaves these kind of cryptic messages like, you've never seen a miracle. And then Kay kills him. And he's like, that was weird. Uh, let's look around outside. They find buried a uh, like ossuary that has all the bones meticulously laid to rest of some person. They take him back to the LAPD, which is where he works. Um, and him and a couple other actual humans are looking at this. They're like, oh, well, this person died in childbirth, blah, blah, blah. That That's it. You know, case open and closed. They leave the room, but Kay and his supervisor are staying in there, and they look, and he finds a serial number embedded into the skeleton, which means that a replicant gave birth, which is like a huge thing that's not supposed to happen. Um, his boss, the madam, which is Robin Wright from uh, yes. Princess Bride, <clears throat> and a lot of other things, but that's what I always know her from, kind of tasks Kay with, you need to find out where this came from you need to find the child you need to get rid of it because we can't let this get out this will like destroy society if people know that replicants are humans and have souls whatever um or at least babies or at least babies yeah so Kay goes to the wallace uh corporation he goes through their archives he meets love which is neander wallace's uh wallace being the head of the company his like personal replicant um She's kind of creepily stalking him. I guess that at a certain point she understands that he no- he's looking for the child, which they also want because Wallace wants to be able to have his replicants have children because he can't make enough to conquer. He says like conquer Eden or something like that. He's 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 a crazy guy. Yeah. Um, but I obviously like knows what he's doing. Yes, who's a crazy also, guy? Also a crazy guy. Um, so Kay finds the orphanage well he's going to he does like detective work he has a a hologram named joy which is like his girlfriend or his wife um they're kind of doing the detective work he finds the orphanage where this child was brought to well he finds that there were two children a male and a female and the female died from a like disorder and then the male was brought to this um to this orphanage he goes through he has these weird memories of being in this orphanage. And this is when he starts to suspect that he might be the, the miracle child that supposedly exists. It's so he cheaper. goes into the, like the basement boiler room and he finds a little toy wood, wooden toy horse that he had hidden there. Like when he was a child, but it's in the exact spot. He left it. It's got the date on the inside, six ten twenty one, which is like the date of birth. And he's, he's shook at this point. He shooketh. He, he realizes that, who really thinks that he is the person. Um, <clears throat> he then manages to track down. Um, well, first he, he goes back into the office. They're like, Hey, you're way off your baseline. What the fuck's wrong with you? We're going to have to like decommission you because he's like, understandably very shaken um, and shook at this whole notion. That's that he's this like Messiah figure. Um, he leaves. As one he goes. Might be if you find yeah. out that you're Jesus, yeah. He goes to make sure the memory is real, and the person that designs these memories is like, "Yes, someone lived this. This is a real memory." Which it's illegal to put real memories in replicants, which just further makes him think he is the person. Um, right, because <clears> nobody <throat> breaks laws. No one, not no. no one. I mean, he almost doesn't need a job because none of those replicants are breaking laws at all. Um, he tracks down. Um, 
based on the figure he tracks down that Deckard is in Las Vegas. So he goes to Las Vegas, meets Which is, Deckard. Not surprisingly, in Las Vegas. Yes. And it's been like dirty bombed to, f- to fuck. Like it, it's so much radiation. No one lives there, but he, he finds him living in this casino. They fight initially, but then kind of decide to, I guess, just be acquaintances. Kay does not let Deckard know that he thinks he's his dad. Um, he just kind of lets that sit. Then you find out that they've been but tracked. One time he's talking and he's like, so uh, how you doing, dad? I mean, Deckard. <laughs> Deckard. <laughs> um, the bad guys show up. They capture um, Deckard because they're like, oh, hey, he's the dad of the replicant child. I'm sure he has some kind of knowledge about how it was made or what happened. Um, they leave K for dead. These kind of rebels find K. These replicants that are kind of putting together a revolution. They decide they're like, all right, you need. Well, you made them find Deckard, so now you need to go kill Deckard because if the secrets get out, then like our whole revolution is lost. And he's like, I'm the child, and they're like, oh, sweetie, <laughs> we all Hard thought no. we were the child. You're not the child. It's a girl. She's safe right now. You need to go kill Deckard. He has this like kind of moment where it looks like he's really has decided to kill Deckard. They're going to take Deckard off world because they try to bribe him with money. They try to bribe him with a like remade Rachel replicant. Um, that's a really good scene and really emotional. But then he's like, nope, I know it's real. I'm not telling you guys shit. You know, very Harrison Ford like, you know, fuck off. Yeah. They're like, all right, we'll take you off world because I have stuff that'll make you talk there. Um, as they're on their way off world, him and love who is member, uh, Wallace's replicant is taking Deckard off world. K shows up. There's this cool, like aerial dog fight with his blade runner cop car thing. Um, and then a very intense knife and fist fight with love. You think that she killed him. He ends up drowning her. He frees Deckard, but he's been like stabbed and shot and he's not going to make it. He's like, I'm, you know, you died in that. So you, you're now you're free to go see your daughter because everyone will think that you're dead. He takes him, turns out the person that makes the memories is the daughter. That's why she's like in her own little bubble because of her immune disease. Who knows if she actually has one, if that was just keeping her safe. Um, But then Deckard walks in and sees her and then Kay dies on the steps. That's the whole story. There you go. It's a good movie. It's a sad movie. Yeah. Well, there's parts that, but like, it's that it's that good bittersweet ending. Like yeah. Deckard got to meet his daughter, and Kay died. The weird thing is, in a couple of years, <clears throat> when we have uh, Blade Runner twenty seventy nine, that's going to be a very weird movie. <laughs> yeah, because nobody else is going to be in it. It's going to be like a like I, I guess Ryan Gosling could still be in it. They'll make a replicant of that replicant. Yeah, he'll be a, but they made him as an old man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He was the child all along. Oh. Yeah. That works. That works for me. That's Blade Runner. All right. Here's Mad Max Fury Road. So Mad Max is there with this car, the last of the V8 interceptors. It's a very fancy, fast car. And he's and mad. He's mad. Well, is he mad? Yes. I mean, he is a little bit. He's a little mad bit. Mad in a, in a crazy way. Yeah. Right. Although I think he's angry for a good portion of it, too, because they blow up his car. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, he's driving through the desert uh, because he's being chased by some guys. 
and the guys uh, trash his car and catch him. And they take him to this uh, like community that there's a bunch of like peasanty people that live on the ground and then rich people that live up on a cliff led by Immortan Joe. And they're all uh, very pasty. Yes. And he uh, has their, their community may, has water and mother's milk, which is human, human milk. And uh, they have Max there and they hook him up so that he can be a blood bag uh, for blood transfusions for the other infirm people at uh, Mad Max world. And, uh, oh, Immortan Joe is one of three sort of warlord bosses there, uh, along with the bullet farmer who lives a little bit further away, where they grow uh, bullets on trees. No, but that's where they get all the bullets (laughs) from. And then Gas Town, where they have gas. And uh, they, like, it's this iron triangle of trade. And... Uh, Immortan Joe sends his Imperator Furiosa to go do the trade, and she's got this huge, uh, like 18 wheeler with a trailer on the back. And everybody's like, Yeah, Furiosa's gonna go. And so she starts to drive away, and she's got like a crew on her truck. Mm-hmm. And part the way on the way, she takes a detour, and you find out that she has helped Immortan Joe's uh, wives escape because they're like, Nah, we don't want to do this anymore. And one of them, two of them are pregnant mm-hmm. and they're going to, they're going to flee to where Imperator Furiosa comes from, uh, which is a, a green place full of uh, like, that's all run by women. Uh, oh, also this is far into the post-apocalypse. I guess that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, Mad Max is attached as a blood bag onto a car that, uh, and Morton Joe sends a whole bunch of people after Furiosa because he sees that she deviated from the course. Uh, when he does that, uh, Bullet Farmer people and Gastown people also chase after her, and there's a really cool car fight. I feel like the whole movie is just really cool car yeah, fights. I mean, but uh, in the car fight, uh, Max and the guy that was driving his car eventually get uh, on board the 18 wheeler and max like hey i can help you and they're like okay i guess and uh oh nux gets uh left behind the the guy Mm -hmm. that was driving max's car eventually the other cars catch up again and nux is like i'm gonna fuck this car up and he jumps on and he messes up and uh and morton joe's like ah you're a loser and nux is he, he does not like sad, it. Sad he time has a sad time. Anyways, uh, Furiosa gets away again, and uh, they're all chatting, and Nux is like, I didn't mean to, I just want to be helpful. Uh, and they get to, uh, they, they get to where uh, Furiosa is from, and it turns out that, like, nothing has been growing there in a long time, and they're going to flee across uh, a dried-up ocean. Yeah. yeah. And... So they leave and they leave Max behind because he's like, I'm not going to do that shit. And then Max catches up and he's like, listen, you're not going to be able to go there, but we can take over Morton Joe's place. Like we have mm-hmm. the ability to do that now. And they're like, okay. So then they head back and uh, the they get ahead in a car and uh, 
Nux uses blows up the truck and kills all of the other bad guys, and then they take over the land. It's really not a complicated movie. It's not an overly <laughs> complex movie. George Miller himself specifically said that he wanted this movie to be able to be played in theaters without subtitles, and people would still understand exactly what was going on. It's a very basic plot. But that's it. I feel like that's it. I don't think I missed anything. I missed. Uh, there's a guy who plays guitar. And yeah, his guitar he'll, shoots he'll come up really in, cool. the, in the in the some of my stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's uh that's Mad Max Fury Road, and uh, I know I super sold it, but you really should watch the movie. It's really good. It's it, it's it's very good. Do you have fun facts for us? I do have some fun facts. <clears throat> Actually, it's funny. So two of these fun facts are like a similarity between oh. the two movies, but um, I'll go over the uh, Blade Runner ones first. Okay. So. The director's first choice for Neander Wallace was David Bowie. Oh. Which would have been so good. Yep, but he he passed away right before they started shooting. Um, Yeah. For the scene in Las Vegas, uh, the cinematographer Roger Deakins was inspired by a memory of seeing the Sydney Opera House in Australia after a huge dust storm. Oh, that makes sense. And then the director suggested adding a giant erotic statue. Which fits okay. for Las Vegas. Yeah. Of all the places to have a giant erotic statue, I mean, it feels like that's about the right place. Yep. Um, the first letter of the names of each of the wooden animals that Deckard has carved is you know, being rhino, antelope, cat, horse, elephant, and lion, spell Rachel. Oh. Because when, when, if you haven't seen it, when Kay goes and finds Deckard, he puts the horse back, and there's five other animals that have been carved out of wood that are there. Um, right. <clears throat> I forgot about that scene. In order to portray the blind character Neander Wallace, Jared Leto actually fit himself with opaque contact lenses that made him blind. I think it was like he stabbed his own <laughs> eyes out. You replaced him with those weird robot eyes. <laughs> what a weird guy. Um, and this one <laughs> here, this will tie into the first one for uh, Mad Max. During the fight scene, Harrison Ford accidentally actually punched Ryan Gosling in the face. I love that one. That's such a weird fun fact. As an apology, uh, Ford invited Gosling to share a bottle of scotch whiskey with him. Oh, that's nice. They're nice friends. I remember telling Devin about that one when we were watching it. I'm like, he actually punched him. That's so funny. (laughs) That's why he's so bloody, that whole movie. Yep. Um, Tom Hardy suffered a broken nose when... (laughs) Charlize Theron accidentally elbowed him. Nice. She was wearing a green arm cast for the robot arm that they, which is like one of the only CGI things in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she broke his nose. Nice. So people getting punched in both these movies. <laughs> counting the opening voiceovers and discounting any grunts, Max has exactly 52 lines in the movie. Wow. Um, according to Tom Hardy, he had lunch with Mel Gibson before to discuss taking over the iconic role of Max Rokotansky. Yes. Uh, Gibson told him he was fine with it and gave Hardy his blessing. So that's good. Hmm. Yeah. Surprisingly reasonable from Mel Gibson, who seems like a very unreasonable guy. Yeah. Um, The editor, Margaret Sixel, had approximately 470 hours of footage to edit, which took three Hmm. months to go through. 
That's they should lot. just release it all, just like they yeah. should for Lord of the Rings. They should just release everything <laughs> they filmed. Did they actually film Tom Bombadil for Lord of the Rings? Maybe, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they did. That. I would love that. Um, next one also ties in. Margaret Sixel is George Miller's wife. Oh. When asked why he thought she should take on this project that she'd never edited an action film before, Miller replied, because if a guy did it, it would look like every other action movie. They, that's one of the things that they talked about. I mean, not that specifically, but one of the, one of the things that they talked about as being interesting is that, um, when you see, when the women who are part of the, the community of that's only women, when they Mm -hmm. die in the action scenes, it's, they just die as opposed to a lot of other action movies that have women. And they're like, Oh, we need to focus on this. It's sad. It's sad because a woman died. And they're like, yeah, this is just, it's a person that died. Which I thought was interesting, and I guess that might be part of the reason why. Here's a fun fact: hmm. this is not the only sequel that uh, George Miller has done. Obviously, he's done other Mad Max sequels, mm-hmm. and also Happy Feet Two and Babe Two. Oh, the head of the stunt team for Mad Max Fury Road is also the head of the stunt team for Happy Feet Two. <laughs> And was a stunt driver in Mad Max The Road Warrior. Also, Mad Max 1 did not come out in America to much success at all. And so when they tried to get Mad Max 2 to come out, um, they had to market it as not a sequel. So that's why it's here in America. It's just called The Road Warrior. It's not Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior, even though that's what it shows up on the title screen for things. It's just The Road Warrior. Interesting. Also, George Miller was a he was a, a doctor in an emergency room, and that's why uh, that's where he got the idea for the movie because he's just like, look at all these people coming in from car accidents. Yeah, and that that is why the medical stuff in Mad Max Fury Road is fairly accurate. Yep. According to two films through Curious alum Amanda, who is a medical <clears throat> professional. Mm-hmm. Not just not just some rando you hear about. Mm-hmm. I mean, two films, three curious alum. The other Bill could say it's accurate too, but he's not a medical professional. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about some similarities and differences. Here's a similarity that I didn't think about until we were watching uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, both movies, both series are about, in no small part, memories. Blade Runner 1 and Blade Runner 2 talk a lot about are your memories real? Are they manufactured so that you can be a replicant? Does it matter if they're manufactured? Are they not still so important to your fundament because they're your memories, whether or not they're implanted or real? Mm -hmm. Uh, And Mad Max, if you watch the first and the fourth one without any of the in-between, it's really jarring to go from basically just Australia there's really not a lot of dystopia except it's mm-hmm. it looks grungy to the desert wasteland that is Mad Max Fury Road. But the thing that they talk about is that every Mad Max after the first one is really kind of some community telling the legend of Mad Max when he helped our world. And as legends do when you retell them decades and centuries after they take place, there's a lot of changing that happens that when, it, when, mm-hmm. if you tell a kid a story about a time long ago, they're going to make it look more like their time now. Cause that's what they yeah. have to contextualize it. And so 
I can't remember what her name is, what a character name is, but the lady who is in charge of, or who helps um, Immortan Joe's wives has all of these tattoos of words all over her. And those are sort of like cues to prompt her to remember stories that are part of the oral tradition, which is why there's thing they say things like, I need to go to Valhalla to make feast with the heroes because mm -hmm. in a society built on car culture that knows only small things about the past, McDonald's is a thing you eat in a car a lot. <laughs> and so there we go. Of course, of course the gods would make feast. Um, but that's all it's, it's all regurgitated memories. Uh, mm -hmm. Mad Max three does a lot about that as well with the kids and that, that they tell, they tell the story of Captain Walker or they, they say the tell, they call it the tell of Captain Walker. And it's the, the older kid that has, that tells the story has a staff that the top of the staff has a, like a wooden frame that looks like a TV. And she uses that to point and gesture to show the things that are important as they tell the story of this like airline pilot that crashed and said, I'm going to, we're going to go find help. Like, decades before this happened and they're like now we're waiting for captain walker to come back and this is captain walker and like no no that's just this is <laughs> the regurgitation of a memory that's been filtered through however many different people and people decades that, yeah. and yeah so both movies are about memory in that respect both series i guess yeah that that ties into the whole series um i have that they're both very dialogue light yeah yeah <clears throat> Blade Runner certainly has more uh, exposition, although there's a little bit in Mad Max as well. But they mm -hmm. both really let the world do the world building and not like, let me explain this thing. Yeah. Like they don't explain how Morton Joe came to power or anything. And he just rules this one little area of however large this like desolate wasteland is. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's like, it's a localized little story. It's a fable almost, yeah. Which makes sense because there's there's not anything else around. The comics give you a little bit more exposition, at least for Mad Max Four, mm -hmm. but it's it's fun to read, but it's super unnecessary because that's not that's not the point. In fact, really, Mad Max One through Three aren't the point. I like watching them because they're fun and that it's a larger story, but they're not related. You could easily watch Mad Max Fury Road and not watch anything else. Where I feel like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, you really need to watch yeah. the first Blade it Runner to contextualize anything. Yeah. And they, and they did the three little shorts before 2049, which I still haven't seen. I need to. in the same way, like you're talking about that comic for, to like kind of give a little bit more contextualization for the movie. Yeah. But I mean, even the people I know that haven't seen the original, but have seen 2049 still really like it too. Okay. So I, I think it, it only gets better by knowing more of the background and having seen the original, but it's not necessary to enjoy it. Okay. I can live with that. Where are my notes? I have I have some more. I have another similarity. Where is it? Oh, this is actually this is kind of a similarity and kind of a difference. There mm -hmm. are people in both series that are in the first and the last movie. In Blade Runner 2049, everybody that's in both movies uh plays the same character. Mm -hmm. In Mad Max if they were in Mad Max 1, 2, or 3, they play a different character in Mad Max mm -hmm. 4. Toe Cutter, who's the main bad guy in Mad Max 1, is the same actor who plays Immortan Joe, but they're not the same Yeah, character. it's not like, yeah. Yeah.
And I think the guy who plays Lord Humongous is in it. And I think one of the ladies uh, carries over. And uh, the stunt driver that's in Road Warrior, I think, also does stunts in Mad Max Fury Road in addition to being the stunt coordinator. But they're not... They're not, nobody plays the same character in those movies, mm-hmm. except for Mel Gibson in the first three. And then in Blade Runner, it's really only two characters. I mean, I guess Rachel pops up for a minute, but yeah. that's using her, I think, the niece of the original actor. Oh, actress. I didn't know that. Yeah. And the, using like the digital yeah. shit. And since it's such a brief scene and it's got weird lighting, you can't even really tell that they did digital no, in stuff fact, on it. I thought, I thought that it was like some sort of. 3D old footage, not. I mean, I didn't know that they had to go through that extent. Mm-hmm. So that's neat. Yeah, so it's really just the two you have Deckard and then his uh, partner, who's yeah. also only in one scene. So, uh, another difference, I think, is that Blade Runner 2049 does a good job of only changing the setting enough to make it look like 30 years have passed. Mm hmm. As opposed to Mad Max Fury Road, which, like we were saying, if it's a retelling of a retelling of a retelling, then makes perfect sense that Mad Max Fury Road looks nothing like Mad Max 1. Yeah. Or really 2 or 3. Like, you can see the things that carry over. Like, the car is the same in all Mm -hmm. four, kind of. Um, But really, it's not. There's The settings look nothing alike, and that's on purpose. Yeah. I was listening to the unspooled podcast, talk about Blade Runner one, and they were talking to the, the futurist that did a lot of the um, world building. Mm-hmm. And he's also, he said in the interview, he's like, I'm not a world builder. I don't know how to do that. That's not what I do. What I did was think about things that we have now and how they would look different in the future. And so he said that like he spent a lot of time on things like the parking meters Mm -hmm. that in the future, parking meters aren't going to accept coins, but you're not going to replace every parking meter with something new. So they would just put a garish looking addition onto the parking meter that allows it to accept cards and not just coins, Uh, which I guess is different than what we have now, but not that different because now they just have all those little hats that tell you to use the app. Yeah. They both movies have very cool vehicles. They do. Although I got to say, I prefer the Mad Max vehicles because I don't want my cars to fly. Well, they're certainly more of a centerpiece to the movie. (laughs) They are. And they they are. are. Yeah. I got to say, as someone that loves driving but doesn't really care for cars, Mad Max, the Mad Max series is like my perfect car movie. Because like, I don't care if it's, the blah, blah, blah from the 19, whatever that does the, this and yeah. that. I just like a cool looking car. I don't, I, I, if it, if it goes fast and is loud, that's cool too. But the fact that, that none it's of superfluous. The cars, yeah. Oh yeah. None of the cars in that are at least real original cars. They've got additions and they're stacked on top of mm-hmm. each other and they're this and that. I like that. I like that about a car movie. I don't need to know that it's a, screen accurate representation of a you know shelby cobra 1963 convertible with the you know i don't care i just want to drive a car yeah that that's all any of us can hope for i think absolutely (laughs) um they both have diegetic music at one point 
in yes. Blade Runner, you have when there's like an Elvis hologram Elvis concert. That's really cool. That. Yeah. Um, and then in Blade Runner, you have the guy with the guitar. Or not Blade Runner. In Mad Max, you have the guy with the guitar. Yep. <clears throat> He's playing the riffs that everyone else is hearing too. So. Yep. And uh, the guitar. And then I always forget that there's drums on the back of that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like six or eight huge drums on the back, and then he's on the front playing the guitar. Yeah, they, they, you can't see him if the car's driving at you. You can't even see the drummers. They're just right. back there. You can hear them, though. <laughs> Always there. Keeping the beat. Um, <clears throat> I also have that they both, they're both small-scale stories. I mean, they have larger repercussions, but like... Sure. One of my initial worries with Blade Runner, when we saw the trailers that was that they make it out to be like, just like, Oh, action movie. Like, Oh, look at all this exciting shit that's going down. Oh, it's the end of the world. Oh, can he save the world? And I was like, I, I was worried that that's what it was going to be because that's yeah. not what Blade Runner is at all. The original, mm-hmm. it's a small story about these very few characters and there's no like world ending repercussions. Right. Um, now in 24 and they have like the overtones of that. Like with this revolution that's going to happen, and that Wallace is going to be able to breed his replicants, but ultimately, the Kay's whole story is getting Harrison Ford to meet his daughter. Yeah, that that's that's his whole goal, and he accomplishes it, and then he dies. So it's like a very personal, small scale story, which is also kind of how Mad Max is with uh, Furiosa's story of finding out that the place that she grew up or the place she was born is now all gone, and right. having to like pick up the pieces of Morton Joe's little kingdom. And then Max kind of becoming less uh, crazy and feral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you're right though. It's not, I, I, it would be a very different and probably much worse movie if Mad Max four was about conquering a Morton Joe's kingdom. Yeah. And it, and if he had like, you know, a huge kingdom, right. That wasn't just like this area. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is kind of the plot, eh, kind of the plot of three. Of Th- Beyond Thunderdome? Yeah. Yeah. That is such an 80s movie. <laughs> I forgot how much of an 80s movie it is. Like the first one is like, oh, this is like 1970s dystopia weirdness, like yeah. this or Rollerball or Soul and Green. Like they're all like the original Westworld movie. They all have mm-hmm. that same feel. Uh, and the second one feels like Terminator 2 style 80s action movie, but Beyond Thunderdome has like an original song because Tim Turner is in it. (laughs) And I feel like, like this and Return of the Jedi and I was thinking of another one too recently. They did the same thing that like we have to have, it has to have like kids or like a kid's thing in it. Mm Mm-hmm. And well, Return of the Jedi also has an original song. It does. Lopty Neck. A song you love. <laughs> a great song. But it, yeah, it, I, I had forgotten how very, of all of them, of all of them. And it could just be that we're not far enough away from Fury Road to know how mm-hmm. much it feels like the time it came out. Beyond Thunderdome is the one that feels the most of its time. Of its time, yeah. It feels it's the it's the only one that feels dated. I think. I still liked it. I enjoyed watching it. I think that yeah. you know, Tina Turner did a really good job in it. And Master Blaster is a cool character concept. And 
the kids the second time around weren't really that annoying. They were a little annoying the first time around, but then I'm like, no, it makes sense. So you gotta have the kid characters. Gotta have the kid characters. Of these two, a difference I have is that, and I think it's to do with the setting. Blade Runner leans more into, remember this thing from the eighties? Like when the big Atari sign pops up and you're like, Atari doesn't even exist anymore. Like what do they even do? They're not going to, how would they be big in 2049? It's because they were big in 2019 in the original Blade Runner. Yeah. So like having like the ads and stuff that they have, or they have like, I feel like you see like Soviet stuff at some point. Yeah. Like it, like, because when they made Blade Runner that, you know, the Soviet Union still existed. So of course it would exist in 2019 and then in 2049. Yep. So they, they lean into that a lot more into that, like the eighties iconography. They do it, yeah. They don't. They're not. I mean, only because there's nowhere to have that stuff in Mad Max, really. Right. Well, but I mean, it's it. It is a difference that in 2049 they're making it not our 2049 future. They're making it the Mm -hmm. 2049 future of the 1980s future that was 2019. Mm -hmm. Mad Max Fury Road doesn't take any of that into account. Mad Max Fury Road is not the future of Mad Max One. Yeah. Because it's not supposed to be about a realistic future. 2049 is supposed to be a realistic future of what they presented in the first one. Mm-hmm. Mad Max is supposed to be a dystopian story. For related dystopian stories in much the same way Arthurian legend characters carry over or like, you know, I don't know, stories about Greek heroes or something. Yeah. Like James Bofides. Bond. I don't know. Yeah. Both of these are Bionicles. <laughs> <laughs> my last uh similarity is that they both in their own way kind of touch on climate change yeah so in and in in mad max it's a like ho- nuclear holocaust induced climate change um mm-hmm. but, but you can still, still feel like the overtones of stuff. yeah the overtones of a more realistic take or i guess more who knows what the future holds but a more modern take on it right um and then in 2049 it's you have like the dystopian huge piles of garbage and stuff like that, but they don't really touch on, but there's this huge seawall all along the coast of California because the sea level is so much higher than it was before. So it's yeah. like, you know, like hundreds of feet tall that basically just keeps all of LA, San Francisco. Cause at this point it's like all one city, most of California. Yeah. They keep it. Cause like they show, is it, I think it's San Diego. They're like, it's just all garbage. It's where everyone puts their garbage. <laughs> <laughs> It's like San Diego waste plant, and it's just like garbage as far as the eye can see. That was one of the things that they were doing that they had talked about again in the Unspooled podcast about it is that the original thought was that San Diego up to San Francisco was going to be one large city. Mm-hmm. That it was they they called it, I think they called it San Angeles because it 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 was everything. Yeah, and then they they ended up scrapping that, but that would have been interesting, and I think realistic if dystopia is supposed to be an extremely bad version of what could Mm -hmm. happen so yeah i think that's neat uh oh i had one now it's gone now here's a difference charlize theron is only in one of those movies she's not in blade runner 2049 do we have any actors that are in both Oh, I don't know. I was just being silly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's like a like a 
extra that's in both of the movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, none of the main characters, at least. No, certainly not. Frankie Muniz is not in either movie. Even though Nux looks like Frankie Muniz sometimes. He, ooh, he really does, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have another fun fact. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the opening scene where Kay confronts uh, Sapper Morton, which is uh, Dave Bautista's character, mm-hmm. is actually almost an exact remake of a scene that was written and storyboarded for Blade Runner, but didn't get filmed. Oh. Huh. Was it supposed to be the fight between, like, the the guy at the beginning of Blade Runner 1? I think maybe either that or... Because that fight scene is very short. Yeah. Like, they throw each other around and then Rachel shoots that dude in the back of the head or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think so. It doesn't go into any details. It could have also been... They, maybe they wanted to introduce Deckard in the same way they do K, like oh, show yeah. him fight someone and then retire them or whatever and be like, that's what a Blade Runner is. Yeah. He didn't choose the Blade Runner life. Blade Runner life chose him because he's a replicant that was built. To <laughs> no, I know the, I know that I know the evidence to suggest why he's a replicant and I, ne- I would never tell someone they were wrong for thinking it, but I like the idea that he's not. Yeah, it's. I'd like that they tease it in twenty forty nine, but they don't have any. There's nothing definitive. Yeah, yeah. Like when Wallace is interrogating uh, Deckard, he's like, "Was it love at first sight chemistry, or was it manufactured?" And you're like, oh, "Is he gonna say?" And he's like, "Who knows?" And you're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's a that's another difference or another similarity. I guess that in uh, in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, you don't know if Harrison Ford is a replicant, and in Mad Max Fury Road, who knows if Mad Max is a replicant? I mean, the evidence points to Furiosa being one. Yeah, it, is that a new arm, or did the skin just get ripped off? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Or maybe it was like in Terminator two, it was purposefully ripped off. Yeah. Anyways, I think I think that maybe I'm running out of similarities <laughs> and differences. Do you have any more? No, those are all mine. Do you have any questions about these movies? Do you? Which would you rather live in? Mad Max 4 or Blade Runner 2? Oh. <laughs> this is one where like they're both bad. Like <laughs> you see how the average person lives in both and it's not glamorous. It's not nice. No. <laughs> Because if I were in the Blade Runner world, I wouldn't be one. I wouldn't have a cool flying car. I'd be one of the people that lives in the trash city. Like, <laughs> I feel like in Mad Max, though, I could fight my way up to being a person with a car. Yeah, I might have to work for somebody, uh, dead, but I want a car. I could do that. I could do that in Mad Max. You want to eventually become one of the people that drives those the war rigs? Oh, that would be that's the dream. <laughs> but just any kind of car. I don't need to. I don't need to be in charge of anything. I just want to drive a car. Drink some water sometimes. Mm. I guess I guess I'd pick Blade Runner. Yeah. As long as I can be a an average person and not one of the people at the bottom rung of like this horrible world. <laughs> you're an average person and then you're sitting there and you think you're thinking of a memory. And then you think that oh, maybe no. that memory is manufactured <laughs> and then your eyes flash gold and then Harrison Ford shoots you in the head. 
okay, I mean, that's one Which way to go. Which isn't so bad, because I'm going to die from radiation sickness, so that's not great. you got to find a blood bag. Yeah. Uh, Are there any movies that are at least 30 years old that you want a sequel to? Oh, that I want a sequel to. Hmm. Let's see. What would that'd be a, a, that'd be a good sequel. question to ask before we recorded. Because <laughs> I don't have an answer. I'm, I'm just trying to think of one right now. Let's see. What happens if I Google important 80s movies? This is convenient when we have a laptop in front of us. That's true. 80s movies. 80s movies. Uh, Ooh. Dune. I know what mine is. What? I want another Conan with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Yes, I want that King Conan movie. I want that movie so bad. There oh, that would be answer. so good. That's it. That's that's the one. Although I see Willow on here as a movie from the 80s, and I think that a Willow sequel would be good. I know that they're doing something about that. Yeah. And I would like that. I liked Willow. If you have Disney+, Plus, you should watch Willow. Um, oh, another movie that, because Akira is not the whole manga, mm-hmm. having more of that would be cool. That would be yes. I, I know they're doing like I think they're doing a very modern anime mm-hmm. of of its run. I would because watch I read the thing about Tetsuo in Canada turning into fighter jets, and now I'm super interested in <laughs> what the fuck that means. <laughs> Ooh, you know what I want? I want the sequel that someone proposed for Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where in the future, or I guess in the present now. Uh, Cameron Fry is a well-adjusted adult who has fun with his kids and doesn't take life too seriously. And he's, you know, cool and helpful and fun mm-hmm. and just fun to be around. And Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller, is just stuck at a dead-end job and has become grumpy and doesn't oh. have anything. And so Cameron has to show Ferris how to have a good time again, as opposed to Ferris showing Cameron how to have a good time again. And they're adults. Yes. Hmm. That'd be interesting. I would like that movie. Which is not, I guess, entirely unlike Bill and Ted Face the Music, which was a really, really, really good sequel, I think. Well, I don't know if it was good. I saw a review that said that Bill and Ted's 3 is just as good as Bill and Ted's 1 and 2, and to that whatever that means to you is what it means. <laughs> and I, at first I was like, hey, and then I was like, no, that makes sense. I don't know if Bill and Ted's 1 is good. In fact, it's probably not good, but I don't care. Yeah. It's fun yeah. and it's exciting. I'm sure that people that don't like it would not like any of them. Oh, for sure. And I think that I think that number two is still my least favorite, but I think that they're all of a caliber. They are all what they need to be. They're all Bill and Ted movies. They are. They are, they are. If you could pair Blade Runner 1 with something, what would you pair Blade Runner 1 with? Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, I wouldn't pair with. Um, Is it Akira? Oh. I was going to say I would want that same like near future dystopia. Or like it would have been from the 80s near future dystopia. You could do Blade Runner and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ooh. 2001 in that movie does not look like 2001 actually looked. And 2019 and Blade Runner does not look like 2019 actually looked. I would say that their 2019 is closer to ours than that 2001 is. 
Yeah, that's fair. That, I think I would put it with Akira. Okay. I think that if I had to pair Mad Max with something else, I would probably pair it with, I would probably pair it with um, Rollerball and we would talk about um, dystopian sci-fi movies that are there to make a very specific point. Mm -hmm. I feel like Mad Max 1 is there to make a point about like crime and bureaucracy and and that and rollerball is absolutely about corporations and capitalism Mm -hmm. but also i want to make you watch rollerball because i think it's a great movie well you could pair it with uh miracle on 34th street (laughs) we could that's that's what we'll do that's our christmas episode this time it's the remake of miracle on 34th street oh no (laughs) no we won't do that do we have a Christmas one planned? We don't. You already know which because, one it is. Well, everybody that I've talked to that's not me says that Dawn of the Dead remake and Miracle on 34th Street remake is not going to be a good enough thing for an hour long episode. Mm-hmm. Because how can we make it not be basically the same as last time? And even if it is well, different, how do we convince people it's different by just seeing the title? They're going to find out, I guess. <laughs> Unless we come up with a better <laughs> Christmas episode, which That's I feel our like backup there is. Plan. Yeah. That's our backup plan. I can live with that as the backup plan. So I think we have, we had a Halloween idea that was, uh, oh, it was a um, Repo the Genetic Opera and War of the Worlds concert hmm. because they're both music. Uh, but also King Diamond never got back to us about whether or not he would be in it. Oh, that's right. But we could still do it without him. Yeah. Maybe he can... Hey, now that we're, we can record online, maybe it'll free up his schedule. It's a little bit easier than... Yeah. And if not, I'll just wear a King Diamond t-shirt, which you guys will definitely be able to hear in this audio-only format. <laughs> just like... Yeah. Go like that so you, can, the microphone. so you can hear. Yeah. That works. Uh, I thought I had another thing, and maybe I don't. Uh, I think that, I mean, our next episode is another special feature where I said we're going to be talking about Captain America on what do you do MCU? But in addition to that, we will presumably record it after the Dune trailer comes out online for us to see. On the 7th, right? Yes. Uh, 7th? 9th? 7th? 7 or 9? Some early day of September. Star Trek? I don't know. But anyways, it's coming out soon and we will that will definitely be a good portion of that episode is like 80% of it. New Dune. In fact, we're going to be like, "All right, uh, what do you do MCU? Thanks uh anyways, Captain America is good the movie. first adventure and fourth movie. Let's talk about Dune." But yeah, anyways, uh that's that's that will happen in the next couple of weeks. We will have that up and our next episode, our next full episode Mm-hmm. is uh we'll be watching the count of monte cristo the the newer one with uh luis guzman and other people that i can't remember and the one with superman in it do do what the one with henry cavill in it is he in that he's the son oh yeah yes yeah, yeah. it's a very oh. it's a young henry cavill he's like yeah. a teenager but more importantly though luis guzman is in it mm-hmm. who's amazing <laughs> he used to work at the subway by my house 
No, he didn't. He did, there was just a guy that really looked like him. <laughs> and I thought, does he really look like him or is that just me? And then Nick's like, does that guy look like Luis Guzman to you? I'm like, yes. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to be watching that and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And we're going to talk about Vengeance. This is not a sequel one, even though our season, our, our year is about sequels. But the, not the whole year is sequels. Yeah. But we'll, maybe we'll do another sequel one in, in November. Yeah, because October is not sequels either. Well, we'll find or we'll find something for Christmas that has to do with sequels, maybe. Yes, we could do Gremlins too, and another sequel that's bad. I don't think I've seen that. I mean, I saw the first Gremlins. I saw the first Gremlins. Yeah, that was which marathon was that? That was for so this is Christmas. You had to say that too because it was all unconventional Christmas. Barely, yeah. Only Gremlins, technically Christmas movies. Die Hard. Do we Iron Man eight. three? I don't think we did Iron Man three. We did Hateful Eight, those two, and we did something else. Maybe we did do Iron Man three. Hold on, let me pull that up because we're I, on the internet and can uh, tell. I just remember watching that. that in that apartment. Yeah, I don't know if it was for that or if we were just watching it. But I think you're right. We may have done that. We could. I mean, I guess that could be our Christmas episode. Is we can do another uh, unconventional. Uh, Christmas. We can't do Iron Man three because that's in the MCU. Yep. Well, we've already done Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, we have. There's precedence for it. Yeah, there is. There's precedence. Far enough away. Yeah. Let's see. Uh. Oh, Batman Returns. Oh, that's right. That's right. Anyways. Uh, I think this is just a shorter episode. I feel like we just didn't have. I mean, we uh, yeah, it's a shorter episode. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope you guys tune in next week when we talk about uh, Captain America and the Dune trailer. Uh, but until then... That, that sounds know, like a movie. Do what? Captain America and the Dune trailer. Captain America and the Dune trailer is actually going to be Captain America 4. <laughs> They're bringing him back for it. No, Timothy yeah, well, Chalamet he's... plays Captain America. <laughs> no, he's just old in it. Oh yeah, there we go. It's like Batman Beyond, <laughs> he's, but Captain he's trying America. to figure out the computer to download the Dune trailer. That's the whole movie. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, do this. I can't get the Dune trailer up. And like, what, well, sir? This is a, this is a, this is a, an Apple II. Like, this isn't going to do the internet. Where did you even find this? The basement. <laughs> Anyways, Captain America doing trailer. Thanks for listening. Watch, keep watching movies. Stay Uh, curious. Yeah, and uh, we love you. And we love you.